This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. Um, I'm so excited to introduce our next guest. Candy Dalipi is the founder of Fundamental XF, a strategic advisory and executive search firm with a mission to partner with clients to solve their most pressing business challenges around talent acquisition and leadership development. For over two decades, she's been working with growth stage, mid-cap private equity portfolio companies and major public companies across SAS, digital media uh, entertainment, sports, consumer, and emerging technology, luxury retail, and wellness sectors in 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 the Americas and Europe. She serves as a coach, a trusted advisor, and a strategic partner to the firm's clients. Throughout her career, she's recruited diverse leadership, talent across varied functional areas as her clients sync transformative executive teams to help them adapt to the obstacles they are not structured to withstand during stages of growth. She believes that diversity drives innovation and that human capital is the key to building the future of successful companies. It's a pleasure to have you, Candy. Thanks for joining me. Um, Candy, as you know, it, um, it takes a lot to be a successful female entrepreneur. And of course, business acumen is, is key. But we rarely talk about the psychological challenges that women often face to achieve that success. And I refer to these as those negative and sometimes persistent thoughts that create doubt, undermine success, and can destroy self-confidence and risk-taking. Could you start by telling our listeners about how you became an entrepreneur um, and a little bit about the journey? Um, sure. I don't know if, uh, I think I, you know, life is serendipitous, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I meant to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was, it just happened naturally. So, um, my career began, um, also serendipitously. I graduated from Wharton. All my friends were going to like Goldman Sachs, McKinsey, all these top companies. And here I am, I kind of um, realized, I don't know if any of them are for me. Um, Part of it was because I had a great advisor when I was in college and he just said, you're a little bit the road less traveled. You don't have to make a decision. He pretty much said, look, you're one of what I think in my class, 338 kids with a Wharton undergrad. I think you can probably decide what you want to do um, after summer. I said, oh, sure. And I, and I had had a plan, but um, while I was a uh, in Philadelphia that summer, my coach was the Olympic coach for the men's crew team, and I had helped him during um, setting up d- during the boat when he was setting up the boats for the pre elites. And I needed something to do during the day, and ended up working at a search firm um, as a researcher. Mm. And really, what that meant was, you know, typically in executive search, uh, someone has a career, then they leverage that into. Uh, 
into business development and relationship building so that they can essentially build a business around either whether they were in supply chain or whether manufacturing mm-hmm. media and entertainment and all of that and that's how you find your either your industry specialist or you are a functional expert or something to that effect right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those um, I was a researcher supporting everyone across different businesses but what that really allowed me to do was get to know different businesses and I studied it in school it's just that now I'm allowed to really dive in uh, into like what is a supply chain and what how does it work in manufacturing what is it enterprise software what is retail and how, mm-hmm. what does business look like and um, then this, this thing called digital was coming to bear and there were really no digital executives per se doing executive search so they're like let's have her do it so that's that's kind of the reason I give you that story is because that's the foundation of how I eventually ended mm-hmm. up doing what I do I ended up having to conduct a search in media and entertainment and that had a digital component. I I did my first CEO search when I was 25 Mm -hmm. um, and I dealt with the global chairman simply because there was no one else in the firm that really kind of could put the two together. And that Mm -hmm. led me into a company called AOL Time Warner that merged. Uh, I think uh, I joined them around 2000, a little after the merger. Um, they were one of the biggest media companies in the world that had a digital component or internet at that point called mm-hmm. AOL. Mm-hmm. And they were building their internal executive search group. So I joined them and I was one of two that reported to the chief talent scout. We were at that point the largest media company in the world, 80,000 employees, eight different divisions. And I was one of few, with the few people who really had traditional business model and then digital. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, at that point, media companies didn't distribute their content online or streaming. It was through DVDs and CDs. So there was manufacturing and supply chain. So all my other skill sets became important when we're looking at executives to bring into the the teams or the different businesses. So Mm -hmm. that's the foundation of how I ended up in search, why I worked for corporate entities and after that, I continued my career in other search firms, um, and around, I would say about a decade ago, you know, the economy was hit pretty hard. I found that I was doing a lot of really cool stuff, mm-hmm. not for major companies and private equity funds, but there were also things that were happening in the emerging sector and big firms like big fees. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was encouraged to do only the big searches and to work with uh, major clients, but there were these small companies like Netflix and Pandora and all of that that were like, I don't know, they were like under 20 million or under 10 million Mm -hmm. revenue and they were fun, Mm -hmm. but these were not that big because startup people don't get paid much. So I said, hmm, it's really kind of cool to be able to go between all of it. So eventually I had a couple of uh, clients and a fund who said, hey, we don't really care where you are. Why don't you just do your own thing? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, hey, why do I need to be in a big firm? Maybe I should do this for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just see how I like it. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. go back to a big firm. And at that point, you know, the major firms were um, packaging people out and and all of that. And Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I mean... 
So did it feel like a risk or not so much? I mean, other, other I had when I left the firm that I was at, I had other big firms who reached out to me, but mm -hmm. it's more of the same. And it felt like it was something I could go back to if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So, and and by the way, I always kind of looked at life and say, okay, well, um, why don't I just try it? If I don't mm -hmm. like it, I could always go back. So I'm not sure if I viewed it as a risk, but more so in that eh, I might take a break from mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the will mm -hmm. so I did it and I had a really amazing friend um, who actually he was a I don't know if I call him a coach but more of a business manager an agent to executives and he just mm -hmm. said why don't you do this you've already done the big firm he's like what is stopping you I said all the administrative stuff he's like okay well, if I can help you fix that and you could just focus on search you could just focus on working with your clients and really doing good work no internal meetings no internal politics none of that would you do it I said sure mm -hmm. I know so he gave me he gave me a couple of ideas that could take care of all of that and I ended up starting my own firm. In fact, I didn't have a name for my firm until about two years ago. And I still really haven't used, you know, I remember you said, oh, I founded Fundamenta XF. And um, and that's because a friend of mine said, you know, you really need to give it a name. <laughs> <laughs> Be helpful for people to find you. For people to find you. So in fact, I rarely give out my, uh, my website because... Um, honestly, I haven't used it that much, but I chose mm -hmm. Fundamenta because I, it's, it's a Latin word for foundation because I felt like, and I felt like foundation, uh, and, and that XF is the X factor. So I feel like talent is really the X factor when you're building. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I say that, um, you know, I believe in building the future with human capital, that's what I mean. It's it's the foundation of any business. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You can take a B plus idea and put an A A plus team, and it will be an A plus plus. Right. Let me ask you this. Obviously, you have this thrill of constantly learning and engaging and talking with your clients. Um, you talk about architecting how their careers can happen and helping them build it out. I can imagine also that it can be tiring to be this um, constantly learning. You, I think you described yourself sometimes as a sponge. Um, and that it may also cause at times loneliness. And I wonder if you ever had that experience and what did you do about it? Definitely. Um, so first, let me let me clarify. My clients in executive search tend to be the companies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and the candidates are the executives. So it's a, it's a different thing when I'm doing um, executive coaching and advisory. And mm -hmm. sound, mm -hmm. right? in that case, then it's, um, it's that executive. So, mm -hmm. um, so to answer the question around loneliness, yes. Um, and part of it is not because I don't, you know, I can't take a meeting and enjoy it. I, I, I've been fortunate. I've worked with a couple of funds and investors for over a decade. So I feel like I'm a part of their team. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But yet, since I work remotely, because I tend to love to travel, or I'm not in their offices all the time, that part is missing. Um, the thrill of when we used to go for a big pitch, and we're working with the team and put that together, and brainstorming with a partner from another office is is really um, something I miss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, when that happens, then I think I, you and I talked about it a while back about the tri- finding your tribe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been fortunate in that along the way, I managed to have met uh, executives that I've started to become their sounding board. In fact, uh, a few of them are the reasons why that I, I kind of looked into um serving as an, ex- uh, selectively serving as an executive mm-hmm, coach, mm-hmm. I guess I would even call it, um, I wouldn't really call it executive coach in the traditional sense, because I tend to work with them as they were, they're in their transition, or as they're looking at, how do I architect my career if I want to go here, and they're not necessarily making a move, it's more mm-hmm. so that I'm their gut check, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It isn't that they're trying to learn to be executives. Most of them are very competent, mm-hmm. um, and they have coaches that talk to them about their leadership development, but really much more so for me. It's more about, I'm, I'm almost their business manager without being their mm-hmm. Like your friend, by the way, who was your business manager in some way. Yeah, so that's kind of, I'm their gut check. It's more like, okay, what are my, what is the, how do we architect it? I want to go this route versus this route. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun in that way. And you feel like you're a part of someone's life, but it's very different than being uh, in a big firm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it is, uh, you constantly are sitting there, um, you know, I, I think, again, we, we talked about the imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I was at a big firm, you know, the, you, part of that is the brand, right? Right. Sometimes you falsely kind of believe, hey, it's it's uh, I'm 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 the the hotshot, but you know there is something to be said about um, being a boutique has been great. I've been able to take the clients that I want, say no mm-hmm. to them that I don't. But it's also it also means that there are clients that used to be easy layups for me that are not going to use me, mm-hmm. not because. They don't like me, but because if it is a uh, a major public company search, they will go to a big firm. Mm-hmm. 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 They just uh, and I don't blame them, right? It's indemnification, mm-hmm. and their board would require that if they're a public company. Um, so there's the, there's that piece that you're like, wow. So how do you adjust to that? I mean, or do you need to adjust to it? I mean, I think it took a while. You know, you have to, there's the ego, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, ego the ego part is the hardest because you're like, wow, I should have gotten that search. Mm-hmm. I thought I was that good, but you know, and then you realize, and, and I've had, I've had friends who are heads of HR, um, or that are heads of talent at, uh, public companies. And, you know, ironically, some of them will call me and say, Hey, you know, I wish I wish I could give this to you because I actually think that is right up your alley and you could get this done and but I can't and I mm-hmm. and, and you have to understand that I appreciate the phone call mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I I totally get it 
So that helps when you have that. But otherwise, it kind of, yeah, it's you, you got to get over it. Right. When we were talking, um, when I told you I was interviewing success, successful entrepreneurs like yourself to learn about their journeys, you, like other women who have, I've spoken to, laughed and said, I don't know, am I really successful? <laughs> and what do, you, what do you mean by that? And what does that sort of bring up for you when you talk, when you, when you say that? Well, I mean, um, I guess uh, when we spoke about the imp- imposter syndrome, right? Right. Um, I, I tend to deal with very successful and amazing executives. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of sit there and you're like, whoa, what, why are you asking for my advice? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. even sure we're in the same league. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's that, mm-hmm. I, um, it's sometimes that, but then mm-hmm. they're like, you're kidding me. I'd be lost without you. Um, right, 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 right. So I don't know. I think it's just, I think everyone has, has those moments, right? Right, for sure, um, for sure. Yeah, you, everyone has a moment. You've been involved with a lot of very successful people. So what do you think it takes to, um, if you were to look at sort of like founder DNA or entrepreneur DNA, what would you think is important for someone to have on board when they're starting out? Oh, I mean, so let's be clear. I have not worked. I've, I've rarely worked with founders from the very beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I tend to get them more at the growth stage, um, though I have had friends who started companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've been fortunate to have done a lot of um, corporate work as well, or mm-hmm. maybe growth in private equity. And what I find in each of um, what I find um, in in the CEOs that I've dealt with or executives that are successful is, <clears throat> or at least the ones I like to deal with, so I'm just going <laughs> to that because um, I tend to be picky, um, is that all of them are incredibly smart. They believe in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're committed to it, but and they're very curious about things in general. They, but in order for them to, you know, there's curiosity, but there's also a sense of humility. Understand that curiosity is driven mm-hmm. by, I, I don't think I know this, so how can I find out? Mm-hmm. How to, like, um, and and how do I? Um, how do I build a team around me that that augments for that soft spots? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're incredibly confident in their ability to lead, and they will hire people that are smarter than them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They admittedly know what they are good at and what they're, or I guess they they will they 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 know where their soft spots are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and aren't afraid to admit it and aren't afraid to admit it. Right. Um, I remember I did a, um, I was brought in to do one of the first dig- chief digital officer search in a media company. 
Um, I think it might have been the first search, not the first chief digital, but the first search. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the the person that um, led that uh, that search was a vice chairman of a public company. And mm-hmm. you no, know, she said to me, I said, um, "What do you want to know?" She's like, "Well, you need to teach me because I know nothing, mm-hmm. and I need you to tell me what." I don't know mm-hmm, <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if I don't know it. And I said, okay. I'm just like, it's so refreshing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty much said, I don't know it. Mm-hmm. Here's what I know. Tell me if mm-hmm. I'm wrong. And if, if I am, or if I'm not, or if we're missing it, then find me someone who can teach us that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I, I mean, amazing. And it's also kind of how you've operated, right, through 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 all of your life and working, and then and that it's just a growth experience. It's not about necessarily what you have or don't have, but just being interested in sort of finding out what you need. Right, Candy. Can you tell me a little bit about whether your upbringing hurt or helped you be able you you to be the successful woman that you are? Um, I think I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was. I won the lottery. I was born to amazing parents. Um, mm-hmm. A father who believed that um, girls should be educated and did everything he could to make sure that we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and having left our country when I was nine, and having to acclimate and face those challenges, um, and knowing that I had a strong family structure behind mm-hmm. me me a lot of confidence you know you asked me if I thought it was a risk um, Mm -hmm. when I decided to kind of continue on my own Um, my parents always said to me I remember my mom said well you know just remember you always have a family you could come home to Mm -hmm. and I think that is very powerful absolutely and in many ways uh it's the reason why i have been um brave in uh in trying out uh what i thought was the path less traveled for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's that's a great way to end off Um, I want to thank you very much, Candy, for sharing with our listeners today your motivations for why you chose to be a female entrepreneur and also how you overcame some of the psychological obstacles that you encountered during your inspirational journey. Where can people reach out to you to learn more about you? Um, (laughs) Um, so LinkedIn is always good. Fundamenta XF is always good. Um... And, uh, yeah, or you could find, uh, you know, people that know me. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I have friends who are like, you're so stealth. I said, you know, people who want to work with me know how to find me. Yeah. Well, and it gives you more control, I think, over who you want to work with. So that's okay. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I don't mean to be so elusive. No. Um, but anyways, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Leslie. It's been great talking to you. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. 
We believe in open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesliekenudsen at dr.lesliekenudsen.com.